0: Hey, friends. I'm so glad that you could join me today on the Inspired to Action podcast. And I'm thrilled to introduce you to my friend Ruth Simons. She blogs at gracelace.com. She's the mother of six boys and, as she says, the wife of a one patient man. And she runs a gorgeous shop at gracelace.com. Her art is beautiful, Her words are beautiful. I highly recommend checking out her site and her Instagram feed. It is always inspiring and makes me want more of Jesus. And as you can imagine today, we are talking about grace, grace and motherhood. And Ruth is just Literally full of wisdom and beautiful words and I know you're gonna love what she has to share today We're gonna talk about being real in motherhood and how our harder moments don't need to steal the joy of motherhood We're gonna talk about perfection And how what we rehearse in our minds all day long affects us as mothers um, I know you're going to love what what Ruth has to share today. Now, speaking of grace, I had to give myself some this week because our schedule has been a little bit crazy. So I didn't get to the grocery store this weekend like I normally do, and as a result, I've been hodgepodging our meals just a little bit. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You're like, what? cat? you're letting me down. You're supposed to have it all together. You're talking about plan to eat every week on the podcast, and you didn't plan It's true. I don't always have it together, but that's why I love PlanToEat.com even more because they have a couple features that really help me on weeks like this. One is the freezer button, I guess you would call it. So when you plan out meals in previous weeks and you know you're going to have leftovers or you intentionally double cook, you can click this little button. It'll add that meal and however many portions you want to say that you have into the freezer button and then you, you of course you then go put it in your freezer um, and then later on when you have a week like this I can just open up the website click on that button and it tells me what I have in my freezer because I, I don't know about you or what your freezer looks like mine is not exactly in tidy because my kids love to freeze things we have frozen fruit pieces in there we have cups of juice that's been frozen we have uh, yogurt, they love to freeze yogurt. I know you can buy frozen yogurt. No, they love to freeze it. So there's all these little things all over my freezer, and it's hard to find what I'm looking for. So I love this button because I can just sit down, open up plandeat.com, see what I can have for dinner that night. And no matter how busy my week is, I can just pull it out, heat it up, and we have a home cooked meal ready to go. So helpful. And I also love, honestly, that I can just open it up on my phone and I can access all my recipes, my plan, my shopping list right from my phone. So when I'm in the kitchen at 5 o'clock on a night when I'm trying to figure out what to make, I can do a quick search for an ingredient that I know I have, see all my recipes, and put something together. Super helpful. You can go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and check out the free trial. And I know a lot of you signed up for Plan to Eat during their big Black Friday weekend sale. And so I wanted to remind you that in January, I will be doing another meal planning boot camp. So stay tuned for that. Don't feel like you need to get everything in order over the holidays. It's a busy time. In January, I'll be walking through this with you, getting you all set up on the site, and we are going to make 2015 an awesome year when it comes to meal planning and stress at five o'clock. So stay tuned for that. So let's get on with our interview with Ruth Simons. I will say that the audio quality is not exactly what I wanted it to be. I recorded this episode several months ago, And I held on to it because I wanted the quality to be better for you, but I just realized that the content is so rich and so good, I really couldn't hold it back. So I cleaned it up. It's not perfect, but I know you're going to get so much encouragement and value from what Ruth has to share. So let's just jump into our conversation today with Ruth Simons. Hey, Ruth, thank you so much for being on the Inspired to Action podcast today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me, Kat. I appreciate it.
0: I'm really glad that you could be here. I know we met, was it when I guess it was 2 years ago at a loom. Yeah, I think it was a loom
1: 2 years ago. Okay. Yeah.
0: So fun. And then I've been following you um, on Instagram, I think most closely recently. And you if if everybody listening if you're not following Ruth on Instagram, you really need to because not only does she post gorgeous pictures, but just the thoughts that she shares With her photos are not the normal thing that you find on Instagram. But just like her blog is called Grace Laced, I feel like every picture and the post that goes with it on Instagram are just laced with grace. It's just inspiring and not, um, it's those things that, you know, she, you see what she's doing and it makes you want to be more in a very inspiring and non discouraging way, if that makes sense. So, Thanks. Yeah, it's so good. So good. I love following you. That really inspires me. And so that's actually what we're going to talk about today. Just grace in motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think grace is probably one of the most lacking things that moms have towards themselves uh, more than anything. Um, so for, before we get into that though, I would love if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your motherhood journey. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, well, I am, um, I'm almost 39 years old and I have six boys, uh, my oldest is 12 and my youngest just turned one. Um have been married almost 16 years and, you know, I just, um, I love this topic about grace and motherhood because I uh, I am the girl that definitely did not plan on having six children. I really um, grew up thinking that kids were a fun accessory and just kind of like the thing that you needed to do, um, just to kind of have a complete life, but not, not really. I didn't see it as a calling. I didn't know the biblical, um, perspective of mother, motherhood. And so I really didn't prepare much for it. I didn't, um, do a whole lot of babysitting or serving. Um, didn't ever dream about it. Uh, really thought that I would have maybe like a boy and a girl and be done. Like, like that was just kind of the plan. Um, and the Lord had something different for us. And, you know, I, I think this is a great topic because you can feel hopeless and um, inadequate in motherhood, whether you have a newborn or one child or three children or nine children. And so it's um, it, it, it affects anybody at any stage of the game, um, because I think we're kind of, we're naturally um, driven towards perfectionism and um, even even just a legalistic attitude for motherhood, and feeling like we've got to have that checklist down and compare ourselves to see whether or not we're doing it right. And so that's really been um, a big journey for me just to, in the last 12 years, really come to a point where I, um, I don't see motherhood as, as a checklist anymore, <laughs> you, know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know? And so, so that's, mm-hmm. that's been a big, big area mm-hmm. for me that I work on every day.
0: So did you start, once you got married, when did your perspective shift on how many kids you were going to have? Is it just something that happened along the way? Or did you decide when you got married that your husband always wanted six boys or or what what was that journey like?
1: Well, my husband has two brothers, um, an older one and a younger one, and both of them ended up having um, a boy and a girl each. And, you know, we, we, um, had them about two years apart. And honestly, I really think that we just fell in love with parenting. We just fell in love with having children. And um, people always ask me, you know, did you guys keep trying for a girl? And in some ways, I think we did in that we kind of thought, well, we love this so much that if we get a girl sometime in the future, that would be fantastic. But I would never say that we truly, we didn't we didn't really just keep, keep getting pregnant hoping for a girl. You know, it wasn't quite quite like that. But, um, but, you know, we really fell in love with it. And even this morning, I think, um, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling pretty much like six is good. Um, But even this morning, my husband said, are you sure? And I said, well, I I think we're sure. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I do think, I really think, um, I think I read it through Spurgeon just that Charles Spurgeon said, you know, God's callings are his enablings. And I really I really hold on to that because I I really don't think that any of us feel enabled to huge tasks that we're called to. Like if we if we feel really like we can do it on the onset, then there might be something off there. It might be that we're actually thinking, you know, there's so much um, capability in ourselves and so much strength there. But I think that it's a such a beautiful place to be when you actually feel completely um inept for the task and um, lacking that ability is that's really where he shines and shows us his enabling for what he's called you do and not what you've chosen for yourself. You know.
0: <clears throat> so good. And, you know, I actually see a lot of similarities between us. We are the same age, although I don't tend to round up when people ask me how old I am. Um, I just go with this. <laughs> I was like, you know, my nine-year-old does that. She says she's almost 10, but you don't hear most 38-year-olds rounding up and saying, I'm almost 39. I can't wait. Only six more months or whatever it is. It's funny.
1: Um, I actually do. I do that. A lot <laughs> um, yeah, that's so funny. I never, I never thought about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and then, well, I don't have six kids. I never really thought a lot about motherhood. And it wasn't something that I prepared for or planned for. It's something that I was like, oh, well, I guess that's kind of the next step. We have kids now. And it's something that has really taken taken over for me in the best way possible. And, and I love it. And then also, you are Asian, and you married a very non-Asian guy. And I am Asian and very married a very non-Asian guy, which results in some of the cutest kids Absolutely. in the world. <laughs> but I got to tell you,
1: speaking up the Asian thing, I was going to say a little earlier, just that, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm Chinese, uh, born in Taiwan and grew up mostly here in the U- United States, but, um, but, you know, I wouldn't say that my family, <clears throat> my mom wasn't, you know, your quote tiger mom that you read about, but, um, but definitely there were a lot of, um, aspects of my upbringing, especially not being in a Chinese, fan- I mean, not being in a Christian home, there was just a lot of, um, the pursuit of the American dream and the pursuit of success and um, perfect grades, uh, getting into Ivy league schools. And so I I really set out to accomplish all that. And I, and I did, I mean, I got a lot of scholarships and I um, graduated top of my class. I did a lot of those things, but I think what happens a lot of times is that as young women um, grow into, you know, women who are pursuing education and degrees and all those things which are all great I think a lot of times before you're married you're kind of on this course where you're just trying to you know work really hard to be noticed or to um, get to the top of your field and I think sometimes that translates over to motherhood when we Mm -hmm. stop and we have children and we forget that and really sometimes we're just not mature enough to recognize where the Lord's leading us and how he's Kind of humbling us in all things, um, and and I wish that I had learned that even when I was pursuing career and education. Um, but just that, I think that's where that stems from is partly that that desire to master something and just to be really good at it and to be at the top of your game. And motherhood is not really something that you um, graduate from, you know? Right, just right, get Like wow, I I've graduated. I, I got a certificate in awesome motherhood, <laughs> you know, for those 10 years I've now been promoted, you know, um, I'm still learning a lot of those, those same lessons now, even though I think the experience has really helped.
0: So true. And and I wonder, we, we also, in that previous version of ourselves, we base a lot of our worth on rankings. How am I ranked in my class? How am sure. I ranked at my job? And so we carry that over to motherhood. And then all of that comparison and stuff comes in when we can't accurately in any way compare ourselves to any other mother for the good or for the That's bad. So and right. it just becomes yeah. this fruitless thing. And I'm curious to know where in the process, where in that growth path did grace take over for you?
1: Well, I think first of all, um, you know, I grew up, my, my, my parents really came to the Lord when I was in eighth grade and, uh, my, my, my dad went into full-time ministry when I was in high school. And so that's all part of my story, but, you know, I, my family came into the church and was discipled later on, um, in, in life. But I honestly didn't really read through Romans and didn't really read through and understand grace until about college. And I honestly think that that was the beginning of understanding what grace is all about and that, um, you know, that I'm not earning and performing my way into the throne room, that I'm not coming to with my huge, um, you know tray full of all the goodies that I've been able to create and come up with. And aren't you impressed, Lord? And I think, uh, you know, in motherhood, I'm sure I'm trying to look back and think really went over. And I would probably say that um, with my first child, I would say that probably in the first year or two, I think I was still striving a lot. I think I, um, when I look back at that time, I think I was reading a lot of books and, which is so great. I would totally recommend reading books, but you know, reading a lot of books and um, asking a lot of questions and buying a lot of products and trying to just kind of arrange my life so that I wouldn't mess up this child and I would do do a great job and that he would be cute as a button and well behaved and perfect in some way. And um, I think you quickly realize as a mom that it's it's such a um, it's such a reality that no matter how hard you try, there are things that are out of your control. And and there are lessons to be learned that the Lord allows in your life, even if you try to prevent it every day. You can prevent, you know, um, you can try all with all your might to have perfectly behaved children or to never get your kids sick or to um, never put yourself in a situation that would cause any grief or suffering. But all those things, are from the Lord's hand that you can't, you can't prevent, even if you try and, and perfectly arrange your life. And so I think that humbling, you know, if I really had to give a time, I would probably say, you know, as my, as my oldest started really, um, showing his stubborn, sinful will, um, which happens really early on. I'd say, definitely by two years old, which I felt like, oh my goodness, it doesn't matter how many books I've read. I don't know how to do this thing. And um, was really humbled in it. And I think that began the journey of just applying and recognizing that grace and that the the gift of grace is not just in salvation. it's It permeates everything. Our theology permeates everything that we do and everything that we um, live out on a day-to-day basis. And so, um, you know, when our kids are really little, Sometimes we think that um, it's just management and then we, you know, we live out what we believe and they're, they're tiny. How do they really recognize that? But as I, as I've gotten older and as I've raised each of the boys, I'm kind of recognizing more and more that it does permeate everything and how you think about uh, grace and how you think about your worth before Christ and how you see yourself as acceptable or not does into the way you mother and the way you parent and and how you lead your child to um, the gospel itself.
0: So it does permeate everything we do, yes. but it's so easy to forget about grace. How do we yeah. help it permeate everything that we do? How do we keep it front of mind?
1: Well, I think first and foremost is that We have to choose what we rehearse in our brains. And so if we get up in the morning and we spend the majority of our, because sometimes it's good just to take inventory. What are you rehearsing in your mind over and over again? Which means what are you saying to yourself all day long? If what you say to yourself all day long is, oh, you know, what I would give to have a day off or, oh my goodness, if my kids would just obey, why are my kids not like, or why is, why am I always picking up stuff, after, you know, picking after other people, whatever it is that if, if you let those things be the, the dominating things you say to yourself, then your focus will be constantly on um, what's not going right in your life. And then how you have to control it and change it. And I think the, um, the alternative to that is, is the biblical perspective of truly, um, preaching truth to yourself. And I think when we spend more time meditating on who God is and who we are in him, then your perspective does change. Sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we open our Bibles and we want to kind of go straight to how will he help me? How will this change? How does he promise to make everything better? And those promises are in there for sure. But what makes those promises relieving and absolute hope for our day is if we look at the character of God first and foremost and look at what he's done through salvation first and foremost, because then you can say, hey, I serve an awesome God who has it all in control. And so therefore, today, it's not how perfectly clean my house is. It's not whether or not my my training and disciplining my children is taking fruit immediately. I don't have to worry about that today because I'm, I'm obeying and I'm doing all that he's given me to do because he's a good God and he's drawing me to himself. And the whole all of this and all this struggle and difficulty and all the challenges of every day, they all have a purpose because God is purposing to do something with my life. I'm not just randomly here. And so I think sometimes it's just a matter of us rehearsing truth to ourselves in those times of, um, just discouragement and, and pressure and sense of failure, you know,
0: that's so good. I love that. And honestly, and forgive this. I do always have sports analogies, Mm -hmm. but I played tennis growing up and Mm -hmm. If I was not in the right frame of mind before a match, I would easily imagine myself just totally messing up shots. Mm-hmm. And the more that I allowed those thoughts to go through my head, the more I actually messed up those shots. Right. But if I would sit and before a match rehearse just mm-hmm. very specifically how I would respond to any different kind of shot that you know my opponent would send my way,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I would do a whole lot better than when I allowed those negative thoughts to permeate my mind. And so just even on the most practical level, that is so, Absolutely. so true. And then when you take it to the spiritual level, it's just, you know, amplified that much more. And then I think that's also something really that our children can see in us um, and in the way that we respond to things. Um, so I, I think it kind of ends up multiplying. So giving ourselves grace as moms is hard. But giving ourselves grace as Christian moms sometimes can be even harder. How do you balance the idea of grace and the idea of really wanting to be the best mom that you can and all of the actions that come along with that? Sure.
1: sure. I remember early on, um, and this has been on and off through all 12 years of motherhood, it's just, you know, there's. So often I will condemn myself and so often I'll sit there and think, well, I'd be a better mom if I did A, B, and C. And sometimes those A, B, and C things are things like if I got into a really good Bible study and if I was in a really great pattern of um, journaling or if I spent 30 minutes praying and I have all these formulas in my mind and it's not at all that those things are not important because honestly, I am striving every day to tweak my schedule and work things out so that I... I, I haven't made a time with the Lord, but what I've really discovered about um, walking with the Lord and walking with the Lord as a mom is that schedules don't produce anything in and of themselves. Meaning just like if you put a big schedule down on a chalkboard for your kids and say, this is exactly what you will do and when you'll eat your breakfast and when the breakfast will end and you have two minutes to rinse your dishes and you will get upstairs and you'll have your clothes on by this time, that might be awesome. And that might even work for some time. But if your goal in ultimately producing and encouraging children who have a sense of time and have a sense of responsibility, then following a schedule may or may not actually produce that. Those are good things. And I think schedules work great for some people. But um, in the same way, me committing myself to this Bible study will last this much time and I will have to do it this from this time to this time. Sometimes it's just condemning because sometimes you have a baby who gets up in the middle of the night or or there was a season in my life where I had a child and he was, um, I think it was my third, the entire year at between three and four years of age. We never feel figured out what was wrong, but he would wake up seven times a night screaming like night terrors. Yeah. And um, at first you're just yeah. like, oh, um, you know, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And you try everything. You try cutting out, you know, dietary things. You try changing up the bedroom. You try going in there sweetly and calmly and, and rubbing his back. Then you start freaking out and you start yelling in the middle of the night, like go back to bed. Or, or you start thinking like, I'm just going to have a big prayer session over him right now. Like, what is going on? Is he possessed? What is going on? And and it lasted like almost a year. And we were really desperate. We were having a lot of people pray for us and we were really discouraged and we were exhausted. And during that time, um, I couldn't get up at 530. I couldn't get up at 630. I don't think I even got up at eight o'clock and immediately had this amazing time before the Lord. In fact, I got up and I just cried and I would say, Lord, I don't have what it's takes to do all that I have to do today because I'm exhausted. And I think sometimes the grace comes when we realize that the heart of what we want is ultimately to love the Lord and pursue him. Mm-hmm. But ultimately the discipline and all those good things, the fruit that comes out of loving the Lord produced as we draw near to him. It's not that we formulate those things so that we have the appearance of him. And so I think a season where um, you're really exhausted and for one reason or another, whether your husband's traveling or you have a child who is not sleeping right for some reason, or if you have um, a chronically ill child or whatever it is that's going on in your life, or maybe it's just a tough season and you're struggling. I think I think the, the condemnation comes when we think that I can't come to the Lord unless I get those things perfectly. Meaning like, well, unless I am on a Bible reading plan, I mean, I dropped off at Leviticus, so maybe I shouldn't go on, you know, I mean, yeah. rather than yeah. freaking out and going, well, then never mind. I'll start next January. No, get back in there. Just, just get back in there and just say, Lord, it's not how far I got with my one year reading plan. It's not even how much time I was on my knees today. It's the surrendering. And so Lord, give me the desire to love your word. Give me the desire to speak your name throughout the day and to, to look for moments, even while I'm washing dishes, to, to cry out to you and talk to you. And, you know, I think he's faithful to bring that desire to us. And I think sometimes, and in, in, especially in the little years, it's so exhausting and we're spending all our time running after children who can't change their own diapers and who spill milk all over the floor and Cheerios go flying and this morning, um, our giant freezer in the garage broke down and I have more food than you can possibly imagine, all thawing on my kitchen island oh. this morning. And I, I had that oh. thought. I thought my heart this morning was, Lord, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't, I, I can't have one more thing. I can't like cook five tons of food today. I, I have so much other things going You know, I'm, I'm homeschooling and I've got all these things going on today. But I think it's amazing how much the Lord allows those things so that I might even cry out to him because it's possible that I would have gone on today just feeling like, like I got it in the bag. I've got a pretty good schedule, but instead I got to him and said, you know, I, I got to go to your word and I got to seek encouragement. And ultimately the encouragement comes because I know you and I know that you're faithful and it's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on whether I have the best attitude about it about a, you know, thawing freezer, or if, you know, I, I got up to at just the right time. Now with that said, I think that we can sure set ourselves up for, um, for a better time with the Lord. Like, you know, I, I've really been convicted of times when I stay up way too late surfing and reading and, and researching and shopping online. Those kinds of things don't necessarily help me in my mindset when a kid wakes me up, you know, crying, for example. And so things like that, where it's not that um, there's no grace for not getting up early and reading your Bible. It's that I want to be wise and use the wisdom that the Lord has given me, but to recognize that God's using all those things, the things that I can strive for, but the things that he just brings to me that I I have no control over, that, um, that I can use all those things for his glory and use those opportunities at times where I can lean heavy on his grace and not try to prove anything on my own merit
0: so good so good i I think that um oh and i'm getting a little reverb are you hearing that oh uh uh-uh, i'm not okay maybe it's just on my end um but it reminds me of a louis giglio quote that i heard once he said god wants us to wrap our arms around his neck and not stick our hands in his pocket And just the Uh, idea that a lot of times we try to use our discipline and our effort and our will just to get things done so we can be good with God uh and so we can earn things and things can go well in our lives. But when really he just wants us to wrap our arms around his neck Uh and be in relationship with him and all those other things can flow from that. Uh Um, But all those other things don't necessarily flow to the relationship if that's not our heart uh, to begin with. Um, so, here's a question for you to think on while we keep talking in case you don't have necessarily a ready answer, but maybe at the end, I'd love for you to share any scriptures that have helped you in this process of walking in grace mm-hmm. um and if you don't have any, then you can just not break it up at the end of the podcast um but while you might be thinking about that, uh you have six boys mm-hmm. and I have one boy, mm-hmm. and I have learned to give myself so much more grace. <laughs> By just having one boy, because I have two older girls Mm -hmm. who are rule followers and they work really hard at doing stuff. And my son works really hard at everything as well. But he's just he's more boy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not quite as prone to making me look like a really impressive mom (laughs) (laughs) as my girls are. So how have you given yourself grace as you've added boy after boy to mm-hmm. your 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 quiver there, and I'm sure endured moments when you were just like, okay, I need to give myself and my boys grace right. in right. this situation,
1: right? You know, <clears throat> first of all, I I'm not a boy, and so I don't recognize, I don't know what it's like to have all this excess energy that takes shape in wrestling and wanting to go outside and throw sticks at the wall and, you know, things like that. And um, I've talked a lot to my husband about it and just, just saying, you know, is that normal? Is, you know, is what, what is it? What, why are they, why are they so worked up and why are they running around like that? And, um, and some of it is just kind of getting to know my boys and getting to understand um, their cycle in a day and how, when their energy peaks are. And, um, and so part of the grace in that is is to not set them up for failure and not to expect things of them. And, you know, for us, it's it's that hour before bedtime is a really tough time. They just kind of get really hyper before we're heading off to bed. And so, you know, um, I, I try not to plan. For example, we can't do family worship at that time because that's just a time when they are like, I don't know. I'm, they just want to go run outside for a while. And um, the times that we've tried to sit down and quietly gather around as a family, it just it, it doesn't happen. And then we all get and and um, and so things like that, where um, you know, I I try not to expect things at times when I know that it's either not appropriate for a little to sit still or that, um, that it's a time of day when they're tired or they have too much energy, one or the other. Um, I do remember this one time I went to the public library with a few of my kids and, um, and one of them was, I would say probably almost two, like at that age where not talking super well, but loud enough that they can throw a tantrum. And, um, and I think he just started fussing about something and, got louder and louder and the other boys were doing pretty good, you know, checking out books and putting them in their bags. But I had the librarian come and ask me to leave. And I remember feeling so like humiliated, just really embarrassed. And, um, and it was funny because I look back and I remember this and I think I only have, I think I had three then. And so, um, and to me at that time, three was a lot and it is a lot. I just, you know, my perspective it's just changed now with say, but at the time three was a lot. And I, I'm sure if I remember correctly, I got out without even brushing my hair and I was probably in dirty sweats that had oatmeal on them. And, and then to have, you know, a, a professional come and quietly say, um, would you please, you know, leave the library? Um, I, I felt so embarrassed and I felt like I wanted to get so mad at my children and say, um, you know, <clears throat> that was so embarrassing and why would you do that? And, or whatever it is, you know, and, um, you know, we definitely had a talk as we went home, but I think one of the things that I, I recognize over and over again is that it's, it's okay to be real in your motherhood. It's okay to have a child who is difficult to train and it's, you don't have to stay home forever and you don't have to be embarrassed because the truth is it's a journey for everybody and you don't have to, um, you know it's it's not a big deal if if they say, hey, could you step out for a minute and and I I wish that I had been just a little bit more gracious and said, you know we're working on it with this young man and um sorry if we disturbed anybody or you know whatever it is but I think I took it so personally and felt so like oh my kids aren't perfect and why can't they just make me look like a better mom um and I think that that has robbed me of joy so many many times when I have focused on what I look like as a mom versus like how important it is for my young, my young boys to go through these times where they're called out and they need training. And, you know, so, I mean, I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that, except to say that, um, that, yeah, sometimes boys are loud and sometimes boys are have a lot of energy, but I also don't subscribe to the idea that boys you know, are untrainable at a young age. And I just think that we have to be creative because they're not going to sit there and um, crochet for an hour okay. or two. You know, they just won't. And I have a few boys who like to paint with me, but that doesn't happen all the time or every day. And, um, and they're not always quiet about that. They actually would rather go outside and, um, pretend that a big long stick is a machine gun and then they whack each other and then they all cry. So that's, that's more the, the, um, you know, the, the, the way my day goes most of the time
0: i had a friend who before she had kids or specifically before she had boys she said well my boys they're not going to play with like guns and weapons they're going to uh-huh. be gentlemen and yeah. all that and she's telling me this after she has two boys she says now we have a box in our living room labeled weapons mhm <laughs> and it's just it's so true yeah. Um, so I've read a couple of books on grace and parenting. I think one of them was called give them grace and another one um, that's by um, Elise. Fitz, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that one, um, I, I think with every parenting book, I didn't necessarily agree hundred percent with absolutely everything in it, but overall that book pretty much blew my mind in, in just looking at parenting in a different way. And, um, I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of it. And then also Grace-Based Parenting by Tim Kimmel. Keller.
1: Kimmel, no, Tim Kimmel. Kimmel. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I have not read that one. I've I've read Elisa's book and that was several years back. And I agree with you that every parenting book is one where you have to kind of sift through your own family culture and what you and your husband choose to do with your family. But um, one of my biggest takeaways from the book by Elisa Fitzpatrick was ultimately just recognizing that um, that there's opportunity in every conversation, in every situation, in every argument between siblings to bring out the the elements of the gospel and to ultimately mm-hmm. say, wow, you've really showed grace to your brother. And that's the Lord enabling you to do that. And he's drawing you to himself. And I'm seeing that in you. And, and rather than just saying simply, you're such a good boy. Boy, you have such a great attitude, and I, I and I think those nuance. It's a book that has a lot of subtleties in it, and I think that um, subtlety is one of those things that um, obviously is overlooked in my life sometimes. And so I'm I'm trying to be more aware of the things that I say without intentionally saying it that way. You know, so for example, it would be really easy for me to in, to unintentionally um, describe a few of my children as such obedient ones or ones to make the right decisions or the ones who don't fail or the ones who um, are kind and nice to somebody and inadvertently draw attention to how this other child is not kind and, you know, is losing friends or whatever it is. And, and instead, I think the nuance there is that I'm a lot more aware of the fact that each of my boys, all six of them have an individual journey and an individual relationship that is budding with the Lord, meaning God is planting a seed and working through each of their lives differently. And what I want to draw their attention to is how they can encourage one another in seeing the Lord at work in their lives rather than, hey, you are naturally, you're naturally such a great kid, or you make such bad choices all the time, because that really, Really locks you into again. What do you do, and how you know what what are what are the good works that you're producing, and how how's God pleased with you because of your good works? Versus, hey, there are no good works in any of us. Even the ones who um, who are making right choices today, those choices are made because God's enabled them to do so. So that's a nuance I'm working on for sure.
0: I like that uh, a not? lot. I'm, I'm <laughs> furiously writing some notes as you as you talk. That that's guess, so good. Because it, it is so easy to label our children, but I love, love, love the idea. And that's more long term. That, that's kind of saying this is the box that you fit in right now. And, yeah. but, by, but instead by identifying things that God is working in them and helping their siblings identify those things too, mm-hmm. that's kind of more saying, hey, this is something that you're capable of. And there's just right. a whole bunch of other things that you're capable of too. Instead of sticking them into that box and saying that, hey, you are the one that does this and the others don't. So I I love that. Um, So going back to my question um, about any scriptures that have stuck out to you or helped you in your journey of walking in grace as a mom, are there any that that come to mind? Yeah, you know, um,
1: there are many, but I will share what I've been meditating on a lot recently. Um, so, so a couple of weeks ago I had a, um, a commission painting, a custom order come through for um, a customer whose grandfather was um, also uh, the, the, the husband and wife were celebrating, I think like 68 years of marriage, something amazing. And um, it just blew me away. And she, she wanted um, Ephesians three twenty on this painting. And, you know, I've always loved that scripture, but as I went back and was reading it and meditating on it as I was painting it and consequently have now created a version for the shop that I'm probably going to release in the next week or two. But, um, I'm, I'm just amazed at how much Paul writes in a way that I can um, immediately turn over and think of of, my role as a mom and what I'm doing with the mission field that is at my kitchen table with my children. And um, let, let me just read this really quickly. It's um, I pulled it up since you asked the question. It's Ephesians 3, and I'll start at verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone that is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages, who God, um, sorry, God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And I'll pause there for a minute. That whole section there to me is the reality of like, just like Paul, I might feel like, Hey, I'm the, the least of all the saints. I'm like the most inadequate for this. I'm a sinner. I yell at my kids. Sometimes I have to apologize. I, I, I don't do all that I want to be doing in the spirit. And yet because of Christ, I can proclaim um, the truth and the riches of Christ to my children and the mystery of the gospel is at my fingertips to share with my kids. And so I'll continue on just um, these quick verses at the end of this, um, this passage. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and ground in love may have strength and comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Now that passage just really speaks to me for the legacy I hope to leave with my children and the work that is at my kitchen table every day to preach the gospel to them. And that that's where our strength comes from, that our our roots are in Christ and that we um, know that he's the one strengthening us and that we don't even know what to ask for. And we want so much for our children, but he can grant it more abundantly than what we think or we can ask, and um, it's in His power to do so. And so, it puts a lot of freedom in our in our motherhood day by day.
0: Absolutely, you know, I've actually shared that verse a couple times recently on the mm-hmm. podcast because it is one of my very favorite mm-hmm. passages. I often talk about the podcast. Mm-hmm. I want it to be this pep talk, and and to me, out of like all the scriptures that there are, that one is like the best halftime pep talk that just gets you Mm -hmm. like if we were all moms in a locker room together, that would be Mm -hmm. something that I would have somebody just standing up on a soapbox in a mom locker room, just
2: preaching
0: that verse and us all just getting pumped up with our fists in the air. And then we run out the tunnel to go love on our children. That's the weird thing that I think of when I hear that passage, because it is just so powerful. He does more than we could think or imagine. And all exactly. the fullness of God is in us. I mean, and that's like the Bible. That's not somebody's opinion of the Bible. That's what the actual Bible yeah. says. And if yeah. that just doesn't blow your that's, mind and say, right. I know, I know. It's so powerful. I love, love, love that passage. That is so, so good. Um, wow. So that that that's just like the Perfect note, I think, to end on because I hope it leaves people wanting more. So I hope if you're listening right now and you're thinking, wait, you're ending right there. Yes, I am. So go pick up your Bible and open it up to <laughs> Ephesians 3. Absolutely. And let God take you the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, Ruth, where can people find you online?
1: I'm at gracelaced.com. And from there, you can go to my blog or the shop in which I sell my artwork, both prints and originals and note cards, things like that. And there's a recipes section as well on the, on the website.
0: Yeah, yummy looking Asian-y deliciousness. <laughs> so I am so glad that you could join us today. Thank you for sharing your Thanks heart so and your story. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You have a great day, Ruth. You too. Bye. So friend, I just pray that you would walk in grace today. Maybe you are going to go get your kids after nap time, pick them up from school. Maybe you're headed home from work. I pray that the remaining hours of your day are just overflowing with grace. You would know the grace of God in your life, that you would give yourself grace, that you'd be overflowing with grace for your husband and for your kids. I am so thankful for you. You are an action-oriented woman. You're listening to this podcast. You're trying to learn and grow. You're pursuing God. You are amazing. And you are a gift to your family, and God is going to use you powerfully. So thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to chatting with you next time on the Inspired to Action podcast. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast.
2: gonna be a God day, a God day filled with His grace His grace and sweet new mercies May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way By His Spirit with each breath that I take It's feeling like a God day